have your Bibles turned to John chapter 13. We have a reason to give thanks today. And thank you for your love. Thank you for your power. Thank you for protecting me every hour. We give thanks today. We give thanks to the God who is alive and not dead, who is real and not a myth. We give thanks today because he has sent us Jesus and Jesus has changed our lives. We live in a culture uh, where it screams to be afraid. We live in a culture today, especially in America, it seems like a, a dumpster fire every time you look around you, a dumpster fire of conflict and chaos and confusion. And, and we, we are here today and we're going to get back to the bedrock of that which gives us gratitude. We're approaching communion and we need to have grateful hearts. Uh, we're approaching Thanksgiving on Thursday and we should have grateful hearts. I'm not talking about made up stuff. You know, we can all make it up, right? We, we can put on the happy face and put on our smiles and say, everything's going to be fine. You know, I, I'm going to be okay. Uh, while on the inside, you're like, I am not happy. Uh, I am not content. I don't like what, what I've got, and I don't like where, where I'm going. I don't like the circumstances. You know, we can pretend, and once a year we get around the table, and hopefully you, you, it, it's good to pretend, even if you don't feel it. But you're with your family. Don't throw a fit. Wait until Friday to throw a fit. Don't do it on, don't do it on Thursday. But, but you, 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 we want to get in that room and and we want, to, we want to talk about gratitude. Can I tell you, as a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, there is no excuse for you not to have a grateful heart every day, no matter the circumstances, no matter the dumpster, dumpster fire around you or in your heart that is going on. You and I as followers of Christ, I'm not saying that we need to put on. I'm not saying that we need to thank it. I'm just saying that God has planted in us joy and peace and hope that does not fade and does not change. And what we need to do every single day is praise the Lord and thank him for what he is doing in our lives. We sing the songs and we have communion and that's what this meal is about. Do you know this meal is about the very thing that we say is the theme of our lives? The theme of who we are as people, as followers of Christ, the theme of what this church is all about. Yeah, we're saying that this uh, bread and this cup represents the theme of everything that makes Eric Thomas, Eric Thomas. You might say, well, that's a lot for a piece of cracker and a cup of juice. It is, but that's what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating that Jesus represented in the cracker and the juice that Jesus has come to change my life, that he's brought me out of darkness, created by my sinfulness, and brought me into the light of his love. He's taken away the death dirge that defined me because of my sin, because I was separated from God by my sin. He's taken that away, and he's brought me into his family, and he's given me life itself. If you're a follower of Jesus, yes, there is a reason to give thanks. And sometimes it's a discipline. Sometimes we need to just reorient our thoughts and our focus again so that we're leaning into this good news that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, there's a reason to give thanks. And it's my job today to help remind us that we need to be grateful. We need to have grateful hearts. So in John chapter 13, I want to read this passage and then 
I want us to look at the gratitude that we are to have because of Jesus. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Scripture says, now before the Passover feast, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world uh, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having Already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, and he took a towel and he girded himself. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Now, the after this is a picture, uh, it's a forward-looking picture of the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. He said, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, washing your feet, but you'll get a better picture of it after I'm dead and raised from the dead. Verse 9, Simon said to him, Lord, uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. All right, so I want you to get the picture here because Simon had just said a few days earlier, he said, uh, Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. In John chapter 6, Jesus said uh, to, to his disciples, will you leave me also? People started uh, leaving Jesus because he had some hard things to say. And people started uh, bailing on Jesus, and Jesus turned to his disciples and said, will you leave me as well? And Peter said, to whom shall we go? For with you are the very words of life. So here's Peter. He says, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is the one who has the words of life. But I don't care. I'm not going to let you do what you say you're going to do. And Peter, I just love him, the, the boldness of this cat. I mean, he's like, he's like I, know you're, I know you're a big deal, but you're not such a big deal that I'm going to let you do what you want to do. You better do what I want to do. How often are we like Peter? No, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. Verse 8, Jesus answered and said, if I don't wash you, you can have no part with me. And Jesus was saying, if, if you don't submit to me in this, you can't have a relationship with me. Verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, okay, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He said, I am all in because I need to have a relationship with you. Oh, that we would have that response. When it comes to Jesus, that we would say, whatever you say, that's what I need because I need Jesus more than anything. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed uh, needs only to wash his feet, uh, but is completely clean. And you are clean, speaking to Peter, but not all of you speaking about Judas. Verse 11, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments And sat down again, Jesus said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given to you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, neither is the one who is sent greater than the one who sends him. Verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So why should we, when things seem crazy, when not everything's going our way, when, when we're in struggles or difficulties, and just whatever it is that's coming down the pike, how can we have a grateful heart? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can have a grateful heart because Jesus knows. Uh, Jesus knows. Here, it's Jesus knows that his hour had come. He was not surprised that he was going to be betrayed and arrested. Jesus knew what was in the heart of Simon. He knew what was in the heart of Judas. And he knew what was in the heart of those who would arrest him. Jesus was not surprised by the manipulations or the machinations of individuals. Jesus knows. Jesus knew that his hour had come, the hour for him to give himself up as a sacrifice for sin that you and I had done. That's his hour. His hour is uh, his passion, his, his crucifixion, his suffering and his dying for sinners like you and me. This is the hour for which he had come. He had come to bring rescue to sinners like us. And Jesus knows what time it is. Jesus knows what's in the hearts of individuals. And can I tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, or even if you're not, but especially for followers of Jesus today, Jesus knows what time it is for you. Uh, he knows God's purpose for your life. He knows the detours you've been on. He knows the, the reorientation that you need. He knows the bad path that you walked. He knows the good path he wants to plant you on. He knows the disappointments of your heart. He knows the concerns of your life. He knows the anxious thoughts that you have. He knows your emotional instabilities, and we've all got them. He, he knows the insecurities that well up inside of you. As a follower of Jesus, he knows you're not perfect. That's why he came. He knows you. There is nothing about you that surprises him. Jesus knows. Jesus loves. You know what amazes me is that my wife knows me better than any other person on this earth. And she still loves me. Y'all giggle, but it's true. And she knows every ugly about me. And she still loves me. When I think of Christ's love for me, I, I think of that kind of love. Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, it was time for him to go back to the Father uh, Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end, to his final breath, to the highest height, to the deepest depth, to the widest width. Jesus loved his own to the end. And he loves you like that. And there's nothing 
that he knows about you, which is everything, that can dissuade him from loving you the way you desperately need, the way I desperately need. Jesus loves us. Now, we know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and, and that whosoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. And that, that is a picture of God's great love for a, a world of humanity, especially those who are lost in their sin. And, 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 and so God loved the world, right? That's the cosmos. But here in John 13, there is a particular love for his own people. There's a particular love that Jesus displays for those who become part of his family. There is a particular love that Jesus displays for those who are his own. Who are his own? Every person in this room who has been embraced by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, every person here who has been rescued from sin's embrace, who has been brought into the family of God, who has been made fit for God's family through the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, every person here who has been rescued, Jesus has pointed his love toward you in a particular way, in a powerful way, in a life-affirming, soul-satisfying way, in a way that the rest of the world doesn't know because they're not part of his own. Yes, God loves the world, but Jesus has applied his particular love to those who are his own. So if you're part of God's family, this meal isn't just some bypassing, Biden our time, passing the time kind of moment. This is a celebration of that particular love that Jesus has shown you and me. I was dead, but now I'm alive because Jesus has loved me. I was blind, but now I see because Jesus has loved me. I was lost, but now I'm found. Because Jesus has loved me. You want a reason to give thanks? Look, your football team might not win. The Cowboys will beat the Patriots tonight. Let's get back to the more important things. Your team may not win. The bonus may not come. The doctor's report may be bad. The one you love may hurt you. Let me tell you something. Even in the midst of all those challenges, those real life-shaking, earthquaking moments in your life, run back to this table. Run back to the particular love of Jesus for you and celebrate and give thanks. Jesus knows your heart, He knows your hurt, and He cares. Jesus knows and He loves and Jesus serves. And and that's what Jesus did. He laid, took aside his outer garment and he sat down at the feet of his disciples and he did the unimaginable, the unthinkable. He washed the feet 
of his disciples, even the one that would betray him, even the one that would deny him, he still humbled himself and was servant to them. And Jesus served. And it's a picture, I think, in, of, of Jesus laying aside his royal robe of deity and coming in the likeness of a man. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. Yeah, I think it's a picture of this wonderful, powerful, uh, life-changing, universe-shaking journey that Jesus made. Jesus, who is God, became flesh and bone, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Why would he do that? So that he might give his body broken for sinners, so that he might shed his blood for sinners, so that he might make broken people whole. So he might make sinful people right in the sight of God. Today, friends, I want to invite you to the table, if you're a follower of Jesus, to celebrate what Jesus has done for us and to give thanks and allow the theme of who we are to define how we treat our circumstances. I don't cower in the face of trembling moments, not because I pull myself up by the, my bootstraps and I have a strong willpower. I need not cower in the face of trembling circumstances because my Jesus knows and my Jesus loves. Today, rest in his love. As you take the elements of communion, the same night that we're reading about here, Jesus took the bread of the Passover meal and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And he said, eat it in remembrance of him. He took the cup and he passed it. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for many for the forgiveness of sin. When we take the bread in our hands in a few moments and we take the cup in our hand, just sit and reflect that Jesus knows you. What is it that you need to bring to him? Just go ahead and acknowledge what he already knows. What will you trust him with in your life? Jesus knows. As you hold the elements, think on Jesus and his love for you, a particular love, particularly applied to you and the power that it brings. My prayer for us is that we would hold in our hands the symbols of that for which we must celebrate. That we would hold in our hands and what would sear our hearts is the good news of God's great love. That Jesus Christ, who is God, died for me, a sinner, so that I might have life through faith in him. Oh, God, in these next few moments, I pray that you would uh, shake us to our core and our own self-confidence, that we would find ourselves no longer dependent upon good circumstances rather than bad circumstances, but that we would depend again and again and again upon this wondrous love of Jesus that has changed our lives. And now as we take communion together as the family of faith, 
I pray that you would unite our hearts together in praise to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.